presented by Baseline Times Media. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Views from the Baseline Podcast here. Uh, on behalf of Baseline Times, we have an exciting episode here. Uh, this is our first and only uh, college basketball episode that we've primarily done on this side of the business here. So I'm more than happy to go ahead and introduce uh, a familiar face and a new face here on the podcast. Uh, today I'm bringing back in Nate. Uh, you guys have heard him on our Three in the Key podcast. Uh, he'll be a part of our NBA coverage coming up here on Baseline Times as the NBA season opens up. Nate, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, sir. How about yourself? Doing fantastic, my friend. How are you holding up there in Chicago? Trubisky finally getting in? Trubisky's going to start on Monday Night Football, so <laughs> the new era begins, and uh, hopefully it's you know everything everybody's hoping it's going to be. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been tough there uh, for you guys and, and the Bears Nation. I mean, not much to look forward, you know, in the uh, in the NBA side. But uh, welcome to, yeah, uh, uh, you know, rebuilding. Signed a Magic fan. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we don't have nothing going for ourselves. So, yep, we're going to be the worst team in the NBA. So, I'm just looking forward <laughs> to the uh, 2018 NBA draft. <laughs> of course. Um, and last but not least, uh, Nate, you have a, a good friend here that you want to bring on to the show and the podcast here. And without further ado, uh, I'll go ahead and in- introduce Anthony Taylor uh, from Taylor Made Basketball Academy. Uh, he's finally joining us on the show here. Uh, these two guys are going to cover college basketball. Uh, Anthony, man, welcome. How are you doing today? Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys having me. My pleasure. Anthony, you mind just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do there at TaylorMade uh, Basketball Academy? Yeah, we run a prep school down in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, so we have uh, young men who maybe need more exposure for basketball, maybe need to get a higher test score, maybe need to do a credit recovery. Um, so we've got postgraduate, we've got high school kids, and we're right there in Pensacola. We, we play nationally about 35 games in about eight states, and we're playing with IMG, playing with Mount Verde, getting our kids that development exposure and getting them off to the NCAA. Excellent. To scholarships. Awesome. So we have somebody here who's directly involved with kids who are attempting to get into these schools, uh, develop them. Uh, so we're definitely glad to have you here for this episode. And, uh, you know, obviously there's some things that have gone down in college basketball in the last few weeks here. Uh, a very big scandal has gone down. Rick Pitino headlines the scandal. Uh, so these two gentlemen will get in. And discuss that more in detail. Uh, in the second half of the show, we'll kind of get in a little bit about their early top five, some sleepers, when it comes to players and teams here. So for you college basketball gurus, a little early for us here, or in these two guys' sense, they may not be too early for them. But we'll definitely get into that there. Uh, so, Nate, Anthony, um, wow. Just this scandal, man. Uh, that, you know, obviously Rick Bettino being involved, a lot of us probably weren't surprised, but... What you know? What's what's going on? How, what's the initial reaction you had, Nate, when when you saw this and news broke about what's going on here and the expectation for Rick Pitino and his future endeavors? Uh, I, it's not a surprise. I mean, because Pitino's name stay in some some mess. You know, it was the the prostitutes uh, a couple of years back, and then uh, before that, you know, he had the, the the mistress, you know, that was employed by the school or whatever, or whatever, however that went, you know, so it doesn't surprise me. And then with the whole, it's it's just kind of surprising that he's the first one caught because everybody knows what's going on. It's just a matter of 
with everything that goes on with Patino, that he was the first one that they bagged. So it didn't surprise me at all. Anthony, and you know, being involved, you know, around some of these players, uh, how you know it's the morale of trying to teach these young guys the right things, right? And we talked about you know prepping them with test scores and you know developing their game. How, how what was your initial reaction, kind of coming into this? Um, this news. I, I was I was probably a little bit more taken back than Nate. Um, you know, here at Taylor Made, we do things the right way. We deal with coaches who are doing things right way um obviously in college sports you maybe you know hear about some underlying stuff but you never really have the playbook on who's involved and how it happened i mean the stuff that the fbi had was pretty it was pretty incriminating stuff like they they, they had a they had a uh informant who was undercover they had uh tape recordings in las vegas and hotel rooms and meetings of how it was going to happen and who was going to do what i mean like they like i said they were inside the huddle per se and had the playbook and so for, for that i was really taken back on how much time and energy that goes into this and, and how crazy it is and how many levels up it goes i mean they got they got the uh, director of uh, marketing uh james gatto at adidas right and they got the guy who is directly over grassroots basketball so i mean i was, it was I, I was really taken back to be honest i was really taken back yeah, I think that's the biggest thing for me, too, is just looking at, you know, okay, Rick Pitino, we kind of understand, like Nate just kind of alluded to, he went through a few different things, but then you're looking at some of these top, you know, top folks involved with, you know, DDS Nike, uh, some of the, the coaches, it just shocks you, man, um, that, hey, they create here's the whole debate, right, of, okay, now that these guys are just kind of throwing money around, at, you know, here and there, what about the players that are making them the money, right? Do we pay the players? Uh, should these players be allowed to go and market themselves and make money themselves? Uh, so how do you guys feel about the, that direction now that this scandals came about? You know, should these players at least be able to go make the money off, off themselves and say, look, it's all right because now we have people who were making money off of us beforehand. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you want me to go or Nate to go, but I'll just say this real quick. Uh, a couple years ago, me and Nate had this conversation, and I said that they shouldn't be allowed, um, they shouldn't be getting paid. Now, I've completely changed course because I believe that you have to do one of two things. You either have to let them be paid in college because it is a billion-dollar sports industry, which we're finding out, you know, obviously now, right. how much money is, is changing hands, or you have to abolish the NBA rule that forces them to go to college in the first place because let's be honest, the kid, the kid that's involved in this never goes to Louisville, there's no incriminating situation if he's allowed to go straight to the NBA because obviously for Louisville to, to risk this amount of uh, criminality and to pay $100,000 to a kid, clearly they feel he's an NBA player, but the kid wouldn't be there had the NBA hadn't had this stupid rule that forces him to go to college for one season. Uh, so I think you have to do one or the other. Like You can't tell an 18-year-old man, if you're qualified for a job, you can't even apply for that job, right? Like, I mean, the kid should right. be able to throw his name in the draft, work out for teams. If they take him, great. If they don't, fine. But how do you tell an 18-year-old an adult who can go to war for this country, can die for this country? How do you tell an 18-year-old adult, oh, you can go to war for this country and die, but you can't go have an interview to go play a sport that you love? Like? That, that, that's just so, that's contradictory. That's very contradictory to me. Well, that, that's definitely an interesting take uh, for that. Nate, how do, so how do you feel about, are you still kind of on the fence about the, the players being paid? Like, what, what would be, like, a resolution at this point? 
Oh, I've I've always said the players uh the players should be paid if if you got that much money coming through as far as everybody else is getting paid. I mean, I think this is gonna be the direct effect to where you're gonna see the NBA change its rule and then probably make changes to that rule on top of that as far as players being able to come out straight out of high school because I think they were more concerned about guys who come straight out of high school and then don't make it and then then they can't go back to school. So I think there's going to be some changes to that rule. And I also think there's going to be some changes to the college rule too, to where you're going to have to start paying these kids. Because I mean, it's, to me, it's, it's no secret. Everybody's either heard or, or known that kids have been getting paid for years in, in all facets of major college sports. So it's just a matter of how much you're getting paid and who's getting paid. So here, you know, when you have these kids who are 18, 19 years old, and they're only coming to college because they have to for that one year. They're not going to class. They're not trying to go to class. They're doing the bare minimum to get by. And then more than likely after the season's over, then they probably drop out of school anyway to go work out to get ready for the league. So it's just like, what, where do you draw the line as far as is that what you really want to continue to, to try to improve the game? Or I think it's just going gonna, gonna to bring change amongst both leagues, the college and the NBA. Yeah, I definitely feel like that's a direction to make change now. And especially because we obviously see that the NCAA obviously needs some kind of help to enforce this from not happening. Um, you know, our NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, has said that he would like to hope to improve the process. So I think this is definitely a good opportunity, although they're probably a little mum right now since it's the block is hot. With the the, uh, the NCAA, so they're kind of like, all right, we'll, we'll chill. Let you guys do what you got to do. Figure out the investigation and kind of let it boil over. I think that's probably what's going to happen here a little bit. Uh, but yeah, Adam Silver's kind of got to step in, and I think I agree with Anthony on that. That rule, it, it kind of forces them to say, okay, now it's a bidding war for what player wants to come play for me for one year, right? Um, if that rule was never there in session, he can go straight to the NBA and make his money, and nobody's questioning, you know, a bribery, bribery or coming down to, you know, hey, we got to recruit by doing some illegal things. Um, looking at this here, though, uh, so, Nate, you kind of alluded to the NBA needing to kind of step in. Uh, Anthony, how do you feel about what what, what are some of the things that the NCAA can kind of do to enforce? Obviously, the, it, it was poor. The enforcement from their side was poor. This was happening. Um, you think the NBA kind of needs to step in first and maybe alleviate that rule, or is there anything the NWAC or sorry, the NCAA can do beforehand to say, okay, we'll handle this first and then get the NBA involved? Um, I think there needs to be a joint effort, but I think ultimately the NCAA needs to stop being such hypocrites and stop being so greedy. And here's what I mean by that. I don't get how you're going to lock up college basketball coaches for trying to help kids change their lives and change some of their economic situations through the game of basketball. I don't get how that's criminality at all. And you're telling me that the NCAA, the reason that kids won't go to the NBA is because they want them on the court for at least one year to sell more tickets, sell more merchandise, and they can profit off of it. Right. But mm-hmm. the, the kids and parents can't change their lives, and they're the ones that's out there giving the blood, sweat, tears, sacrifice, their bodies are on the line. Like, I think the NCAA has to stop being so greedy, take a look in the mirror, and say, you know what, there's more than enough money to go around. Let's start sharing the wealth. Like, let's not make this, you know what I mean? Right. Jim Crow law. Like, like, let's share the wealth. Like, I mean, how do you tell a kid, oh, it's wrong for his 
for the coach to help pay you to come to school, but it's also wrong for you to make money while you're in school. But, oh, it's right for you to go out there and make us millions of dollars. Like, I, I think that the NBA and NCAA have to sit down and say, you know what, we're all going to profit. Let's make sure it goes not just up the totem pole, but also needs to go down as well. Right. I think that's what really needs to happen here. No, I, that's a very good point. Again, I absolutely agree because, yeah, if you look at it, how you're making someone's financial situation better. You know, family, parents who are who primarily are responsible for making things happen. You know, on an everyday basis from high school on up. And I mean, Anthony, you probably it sounds like you're speaking from experience because you see it firsthand, um, especially you know with with the business that you're involved in. So, again, very I good. I mean, point. when you got coaches, when you got coaches making millions of dollars and you're saying okay everybody is literally profiting off of this but the players who are the ones that that the product is built off of so you know you got when you got patino who i'm not sure what he's making i would guess at least five million dollars a season you know what i mean and then you know going about it and then you also put a high demand on the coaches to succeed and say hey you know if you if you don't put out a product that's you know that's profitable you know what i'm saying you lose your job so now you know coaches are obviously going to try to do everything they can to put that product out there to keep their jobs you know so it's it there's a lot of ways to look at it i think you know what I'm saying i just think the, the easiest way to go about it is to just you know you know pay pay up you know what i'm saying you know you have to implement some type of system that pays these players who want to come and be in college three four years or whatnot and if they don't want to come to college you know let them go straight to the league and implement a system that helps them succeed more than in years past where, you know, you had a lot of kids are going straight out of high school that just didn't make it. And then they can't go back to school and, and whatnot. So something has to happen. And I think it's not going to get easier because you're going to have a lot of these sponsorships come about. I mean, yeah, people are watching these games. People are watching these players. Your sponsorship's going to come out, try to throw their name all over, you know, TV, the advertisements on the court side. You're going to you're going to have an increase in salary for players. I sorry, coaches. So you know, coaches. Yeah, probably around five to seven million. Could be ten million in the next couple of years, right? Um, right. You you could you, uh, streaming. You know, of sports is taking off. Um, streaming services. So when you start having having an Amazon or uh, you know Twitter kind of takes off with their streaming services. Wh- whoever comes in, that's more money they're throwing at you know the uh, NCAA too. So just for these games, and we look at March Madness, right? And March Madness is, is I remember the days where you had to be at a TV. Now we can just literally watch it on our phones everywhere. It's just, it's getting a little bit more difficult. The money's just floating around. And you're right, sharing the wealth. It seems like, look, with all this money coming in, can't we just share the wealth, make something happen? So I kind of agree with that, uh, moving down the line. I got a question for Cole. Cole, where, do you, can you pinpoint exactly where this problem stems from? Is, is Is it, you know, Nike and Adidas being involved in AAU? Or is it, where can you pinpoint the problem where you have these players that are just where the money pre-college is coming into to the recruits? Um, I, I don't want to say it's... I think what happens is uh, I think I think like anything else, I think corporate America comes in, whether it's Nike, Adidas, they, they, they come in and they look for ways to exploit the athlete at the cheapest cost possible. Like, and so what's happening is they're coming in and they're saying, hey, we'll give you these shoes. We'll give you this gear. Come come play in our uniforms. Come play in our gear. Oh, wow, you've got a really good player. Okay, let's, why don't you go to the school that we've got a contract with? You'll still wear our gear. You'll still wear our shoes. 
uh, we're going to give you, you know, whatever it is, pennies on the dollar, even though we're not supposed to. And then we're just going to keep funneling this money to you. And then we're going to, in hope, as you saw, that we're also going to steer you to an agent that is, that is with us or agent that we trust or is under our umbrella. And so, therefore, these shoe companies are coming in and just really exploiting the system. Like, they're, they're making AU coaches look bad, and that's not the case. There are some fine AU coaches that I, that I deal with and that I know out there, and they're just exploiting these guys for pennies on a dollar. And meanwhile, they're making these huge bucks. They're making these big situations that put kids and, and, and parents and families and college coaches, put them in a real tough bind. And so I think it comes from the, the corporate America getting involved by exploiting the athletes. I think I think that's where the, the major major problem is. I was just sitting here as we were talking. I was listening. I was thinking one of the ways to help alleviate this this problem is if we just just maybe we should just get rid of college sports in general. Like in Europe, there is no college sports. Like universities, university education. So if you want to do sports, that's its own separate thing called a club system. Maybe you make AU take the place and go year round and it's a club system and they got bigger budgets from the shoe companies. And, and that way we're keeping the two things separate. Kids will go to college or there to get education because there's no sports offered in general. And that'll keep the universities from being greedy. That'll keep the away from being greedy. And that'll really show kids, okay, if you're a student, fine, go be a student. If you're a basketball player, okay, focus on your craft. Uh, because right. I think you've got a situation where too many people have their hands in the pot and it's a situation once again, like in America, the richer get richer, and meanwhile, the poor stay poor and poor by the minute, by the second. Uh, I, well said. I, I definitely can't agree with that. Uh, and, you know, looking at when you say there's a lot of hands in the pie, I, I, that is something that is a very good um, analogy there. Because when, when we're looking at this here, you have shoe sponsors, you have TV sponsors, uh, you know, you have all these different uh, ways of, of money just flooding into this these programs, and you know what what happens to it? Where does it all go? And now we kind of see what has been happening to it. Um, you now, kind of moving on down the line here, fellas. Uh, when we talk about uh, the future and, and the systems, right? Uh, it seems to me like almost the NBA wants to have a competition when they have this. It was now it's the G League, right? The Gatorade League, right? It seems like they want to make it more or less of a competition. Like, hey, don't go to college. Come play for us. Um, instead of kind of sitting down with the NCAA and saying, hey, look, let's work something out. So I think it's, there's, there's a business competition, definitely. And just, you know, again, if you want to call it typical corporate America. So I, I kind of see that. You kind of feel that as well, Anthony, the whole G League thing as, as being more of a competition instead of working out to help out the, the kids? Yeah, I do because um... – Nate and I have talked about this. Uh, basketball is a predominantly black sport. There's just no kidding around. I'm not trying to play race card, but that, that is the case. Meanwhile, baseball players, I don't know if you know this, they can go to school, turn pro, come back to school. They can go play another sport. Like, it's a white sport. So they're not under the same obligations that the same NCAA players are at, uh, at schools for, for being a student athlete that participates in basketball. And I, I, I just think it's such a double standard. Like, Russell Wilson made money because he got drafted <laughs> and his triple A team paid him money. He got drafted as a pitcher mm -hmm. and then he went and played football for North Carolina State. But he was already rich before he took a snap from the Seahawks. <laughs> before he got drafted, he's already rich because he because he'd gotten money. And I, I just I'm just trying to figure out why is it okay for that demographic of people 
what wrong for another demographic, but wrong for the sport. Like, right. I, I just like I just think that it's getting to the point now where once again corporate America is saying, well, we won't exploit this group over here because this group over here we're going to need to do big business deals with, right? And we're going to need to to make sure things are handled smoothly, but we'll exploit this group because this group brings little to the attainment other than entertainment. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's one thing right. to be paid from corporate America, but it's one thing to set at the table with corporate America and decide who gets paid. And that's the, that's the problem that we're having. Too many people, too many people of color aren't sitting at the table with corporate America making the deals. They're sitting there and the deals have been made and they're telling them, oh, this is how it's going to be done. And this is what you get. Take what you get and keep it moving. Take your tuition books and shut up and keep it moving. You know what I mean? Like, that's the right, problem. Right, right. Understood, understood. Nate, any final thoughts about the... Uh college basketball scandal here uh i just gotta hope that uh you see some type of resolution to it or or just you know keep turning a blind eye to to players getting paid you know i mean this kid that was was paid what was it he got a hundred grand i mean yeah. so to, to give a kid a hundred grand i mean if if i'm his his uncle his 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 brother his mother his father and i know that my you know, my family member is that talented where I can fetch that kind of money, you know, why wouldn't you? You know, so I mean it's to me I just hope something comes about where there's a solution to it because I mean then it, it makes for an unlevel playing field for all the other teams that right. and coaches and, and, and organ and uh institutions who, who who go about it the right way. You know, if I have no I have no way to compete if I gotta pay a hundred grand for a five star recruit. And that's not how we get down. You know what I mean? So right. I just hope some some type of solution comes from it because now it's it's uh I mean it's even goes down to the thing, you know, where you have um you can't have the college video games anymore because of so much money is generated from it and you can't pay the players. You right, know, it's right. it's the same boat, you know what I mean? So where so much money is being made and due to the fact that you can't get I mean, uh LaMelo Ball with his shoe coming out, you know what I'm saying? He can't have a shoe possibly and then go to college and, you know, it's just off of the individual but the individual until they reach pro. So, but maybe you're that good at a point in time and you, you might not go pro. So why not capitalize off of yourself while you can if you can? Right, right. Agreed, so, agreed. That's what I hope. All right, gentlemen, we'll go ahead and change gears here and kind of talk a little bit about some early preseason hoops uh, for the college basketball side. Just kind of recapping your uh, early top five. Uh, a lot of projections here have put Duke at number one early on. Uh, so how do you guys feel about the top five so far? And uh, what's your top five coming into the season? Uh, Anthony, you want to take yours away first? Yeah, um, I think uh, I think I think Duke... It's certainly the team to beat. I mean, they've got the most talented kids, probably from top to bottom. Um, I think that anytime you have a great coach like Coach K, you've got a serious chance anyway, uh, regardless what type of kids you have on that roster. Uh, but right now, you know, Duke has pretty much got that target on his back. And being a guy who's involved in prep team for basketball, I've seen a lot of those kids play live and in person with their different age teams around the uh, after Duke, I really do like Tom Izzo and Michigan State. I think that Miles Bridges has got player of the year potential. Uh, I think that Jaron Jackson, the kid they, Jaron Jackson Jr., the kid they 
signed that's uh, supposed to be uh, a one-and-done kid at the four spot. Uh, they've got some guards. Uh, once again, you've got Mr. March himself and Izzo. I mm-hmm. think they've got a strong, strong chance. Um, obviously, you have to take a take a long look at Kentucky, another team that gets a lot of talented freshmen. And Calipari does a really good job of getting them ready to go and getting them ready right. to play. Um, so those would kind of be my top three. Uh, I think Villanova could, could 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 give some people some troubles because of the way their schedule is in that in that new Big East. It's not what it what the Big East was 15, 20 years ago. So I think with it being a guards league, it allows them to get more of their playmakers on the floor that are guards while mm-hmm. having one traditional post on the floor who runs the floor, block shots, and rebounds. They've got experience. They they did it in a year in which no one thought much of them. They, they won a title two years ago. I think Villanova's a team that you really, really have to, to look at. Uh, and then, then, then my last team would simply straight out be, uh, this is maybe a little bit out of, out, of, out of left field here, but I really like to do some things because they, they, they played in the championship game a couple of years ago. I, I know they lost key pieces and, and different guys, but you know when you go that far in the tournament and you go that uh, deep, I just think that the people who come back, it, 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 it really fuels them and really energizes them to another level. So that, that would be my five teams that you really need to, to pay attention to and to look out for. Uh, Gonzaga, once again, plays in the league in the uh, West Coast Conference where they're not really, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say they're not challenged, but, you know, they're going to win, you know, 17, 18 of their conference games, and they're going to play enough power five schools that they stay in the headlines. They, they give themselves a chance to have a good seed. And as any coach will tell you, the tournament's really about matchups. But once you look at guys and once you look at the matchups, guess what? Um, things start to shake out and people start to get nervous and people overlook you. And guess what? You just want to be in a position where you have a chance. And I, I really think those five teams do have a chance to cut down the net and make a deep run. Excellent, excellent. How about yourself, Nate? Top five. Uh, number one would... Uh... I agree with Cole. I think it's got to be Duke. Um, they were arguably a, probably a top three to five team before Bagley reclassified and committed to them. But now that he's there, I think you have to put them at number one. I want to say they have four or five guys, incoming freshmen, that were top 15 recruits. And then you have a you know college basketball's bad guy in, in Grayson Allen who – as much as I don't <laughs> care for him, he, he is a good player. So, I mean, um, they've got guys coming back and they've got new guys coming in. So, I think they're the overwhelming uh, favorite number one. Uh, number two would be Kansas for me. Uh, Kansas has dominated the Big 12 for a long time. Uh, they got one of the better transfers coming in this year in um, Malik uh, Newman. Uh, they still got Graham, who's returning. They always bring in some high recruits. And the Big 12, I mean, they, they play enough competition there to where, and then they'll schedule a few games outside of the conference that are big enough games. I just think that they'll run the, the Big 12 again, and I think they'll be there. Um, number three, I'll go Michigan State. Uh, Miles Bridges coming back was huge. Getting Jackson coming, and Izzo's always, I mean, all he has to do is get to March, and he's got a chance of going to the Final Four. So I really like what they got coming back there. Um, and along with Izzo, so I would put them there. Uh, another team I would put in the top five would be Arizona. 
Um, they've got a Ant, the, the big seven footer. That's a freshman coming in. I like him. Um, they've got a lot of guys coming back. Um, a lot of guards. Um, they lost Markinen, who was a you know a, mm-hmm. a, a top ten pick in the draft. You know he was pretty good, one of the better outside shooters in college last year. But uh, I think they have more coming in to replace him, and uh, they're always a talented team. Uh, number five, I would put uh, I would put Kentucky just because uh, Calipari. I know he got tons of five stars coming back as well. Um, I saw one of them, Vanderbilt, got hurt. He's going to be out for a little bit, but I think uh, even though this year is one of the years where he's got the the top dogs like uh, like uh, uh, Duke has, but he still has a lot of guys coming in. So um, I would put uh, Kentucky up there too, as far as a uh, top five uh, sleeper team. I would probably uh, have to go with uh, Alabama. Um, I think Alabama's going to have some uh, – isn't that what Colin Sexton went to, Cole? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, that's uh, uh, Colin Sexton there. Um, Avery Johnson, you know, he's had a couple years now to kind of build that program. And I think in the SEC where there's not a whole lot of powerful teams, I think he can – they could be a sleeper there in the SEC. Yeah, definitely a little interesting to see Alabama up there uh, considering – the football side of things. Right. <laughs> uh yeah, definitely definitely good insight there, guys, so far. Uh so yeah, how about how about your sleep, sleeper uh players so far? Uh some of the guys that, you know, besides the Bagley, you know, besides some of these top recruits, any, any kind of sleeper players that you guys we, we probably should keep our eyes on this season? You wanna go first, Coach Taylor? Yeah. Uh you know, I really like I, I, I really like the fact, I, I don't know if they're sleepers per se, but I like some of those sophomores who came back to get better. I like Miles Bridges. I like Raleigh Aiken. Um, I like I like Malik Newman at Kansas. I, I think I like those. I like Jalen Brunson at Villanova. I think I like those four guys to really put their teams on their back and make big play after big play. You know what I mean? And show up when the lights get bright. Uh, a lot of people don't realize I, I've had the pleasure of going to the Sweet 16 and one Final Four. So kids go from playing in an arena on their home campus, maybe let's say an average of 12,000 students, and these arenas that they use for the Sweet 16 and Final Four are actually football stadiums. So when I went to right. one in St. Louis at the Edward Jones Dome, you know, they, they blocked off half of the, of the 100 yards, but you still were playing in front of 85,000 people. So, you know, you get a little nervous, uh, you know, you're sweating more, every possession matters more. And so I really like these sophomores that had to, uh, come back to try to get their game where they wanted to get it. They could be, you know, top 10 lottery picks. I really like the, I think this is the year of the sophomore. I think there'll be sophomores who will come back, but learn from it, work their butts off. And I, I like some of these kids that are coming back to come back and do a little more, play a little hungrier and play a little looser and to really do some stuff. Uh, Jalen Bunsen being the one kid that's probably uh, a junior, if I'm not mistaken now. Um, yeah. but I really like I, I, I really like those four kids, to, and I think Malik Newman will, will play with a new found energy and spirit down in Kansas under Bill Self in a very guard friendly league and a guard friendly offense. Um, like I said, I like Miles Bridges, and um, those would be my guys. Raleigh Akins who went back to 
Arizona. Kobe Simmons left, so now he's clearly, you know, watch out for Lonzo Trier on that stand on his back. But I think Raleigh Aikens has to be the guy. I think Trier has been there long enough that they've seen what he can do, and I think I think I think they need Raleigh Aikens to really step up and carry them if they're going to take that next step that Nate uh, was talking about. Awesome. How about yourself, Nate? Any kind of sleeper players? Uh, Coach Taylor actually took a couple of mine with uh, Jalen Brunson and uh, Alonzo Trier. Uh, I think both of those guys um, can come in, and um, especially Brunson, I think he's going to be that that kind of kind of like how Frank Mason was last year, where you had that point guard who was, you know, not the big freshman dog, but was probably hands down the best player in college basketball last year. I think um, I think he can be that guy this year in college basketball. And he's going to be real uh, pivotal to their success. Um, and with Alonzo uh, out of uh, UCLA, he missed some time last year, came back towards the end of the season. And I really thought he was going to go pro. But for him to come back, uh, I think that um, he's going to uh, – look to really improve his draft stock and they've got a really good team and I think the more that they win will uh will help them uh will help them do that. Um I'm gonna be a homer here, but at the uh the Hawkeyes, the point guard Bohannon that's a sophomore, I like him. Uh I think last year they were in the NIT uh the NIT tournament and uh the two games that he played he had like twenty and ten. I wanna say he was First team or second team All Big Ten freshman, so um, that's uh, another guy I look at. I also look at uh, Aaron Holiday at uh, UCLA. Now with uh, Lonzo Ball being gone, I think that's his show to run there, and uh, I look for him to have a, a a good season too. You know, the Holidays. You know, he's got two brothers in the league, and uh, I think uh, he has a good year this year too. Excellent, excellent. All right, guys, here's here's one my little uh pitch to you all here to kind of wrap up uh our talk. Uh NBA rookies. Who are you guys favoring this year as rookie of the year? Just just let's just play, you know, based out of the draft. I know, you know, um we have Ben Simmons who's probably entering his rookie year here and considered eligible for rookie of the year. But beyond Ben Simmons, who are you guys looking out for rookie of the year in the NBA? Ooh, uh, I said when um he got drafted that um if he fell to the spot that he would be my choice and that would be uh Dennis Smith Ooh, in Dallas. I that's that's what um, I was thinking. I uh I've been high on Dennis Smith for a long time and I thought that you know I wasn't quite sure. I had him slated to Dallas and he went there and I think with you know what he possesses on the court, I think he. If they start him like I think they will, he's going to have every opportunity to uh, go out there and put up the type of numbers that will win him the award. Um, I also think, um, you know, for my own selfish reasons, I hope marketing puts himself in that discussion. But, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I like uh, a sleeper that I like, but I don't know that he'll get the, the playing time is a uh, Kuzma from the Lakers. I really like his oh, game. Yes, I like and, Kuzma. And I really, 
And I think had he been on any other team but that team, he would get the clock that would, you know, would garner him where he could get the type of numbers to to be rookie of the year. But I really like that kid um, as far as his talent. Um, right. But I just don't think that he'll get enough enough time. Um, and Ball, too. I think Ball could be a top 10 and assist guy. But uh, if I had to say definitively who I would pick right now, it would be uh, Dennis Smith. Absolutely. How about yourself, Anthony? Uh, I like I like Dennis Smith as well. I think the Mavs were struggling there at the point guard. Uh, then they, and I know they brought in Yogi uh, Ferrell, who did an excellent job. I mean, an yeah. excellent job. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, Yogi's game doesn't sell tickets, and NBA is still a business. Uh, <laughs> and it's 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 show business, so they want to sell tickets. And I think with what Dennis does and putting the ball in his hands, they need those electric plays to, to happen because, let's be honest, in, 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 in Texas, the basketball is so big, the Mavs are kind of become that old and boring team with Dirk and Whiskey. So people are losing a lot of a lot of interest, right? Like I mean, when they won the title, I think my son was maybe one, uh one years old. He's he's eleven now. So a lot of kids that are playing the college game don't even remember them really winning the title. Um, because it's been, it's been so far removed. So I, I do like Dennis Smith. Um if I had to go the whole sleeper route, um you know, it really depends on a kid that's going to start and play a lot of minutes, as you as you saw. And you know, I, it's no it's no sleeper, but I mean, let's be honest. In order for the the process to be trusted, Philly has to put the ball in Ben Simmons' hands quite a bit, or else they look stupid for taking him. They look stupid for right, everything right. that they've done the last three four years. So it's almost like he's almost got to shoe in. At least he's got a head start because exactly he has to he has to play right. He he has to play and he has to have the ball in his hands. Um, and I, I just think that that's going to be tough for anybody to outdo if they don't get the ball that much. I'm not sure how many kids win the lottery this year that are going to obviously step in to a starter role other than, you know, your Lonzo's and your Dennis Smith. I'm not sure how many kids, uh, you know, I, I like De'Aaron Fox a lot. Yeah. But the, some of the acquisitions they made in free agency just don't exactly add up if they're going to trust them right away or bring them off the bench. And that's, that's another thing that just kills me, too. When you take a guy in the lottery, don't you need him to, to play right away? Even if he plays bad, you need him on the court to Just play develop because him. Yep. That's, what, that's what you took him for, right? Like yep. his confidence, especially a young kid that's a one and done, where's his confidence going to be if he has to sit behind a veteran and, and then one of those veterans does better than expected, right? And just takes that spot over. Then it's that's when you start getting into situations where kids start to question, why did I leave? And then you get all this other riffraff that's going on, right? Right, right. I definitely agree with that there. All right, gentlemen, uh, towards uh, the end of our show here, uh, Anthony, since you are new, we generally give give shout-outs. We you plug yourself, give a shout-out to anybody out there in the world that might be listening to this episode here. Uh, you're our guests and first-timers, so uh, any shout-outs, anything you want to end on or say in general? Uh, yeah, I just want to give a shout-out to all the fine coaches who do a wonderful job. Coach Kwanzaa Martin at the University of Missouri. Uh, Coach Bob Marlin and Coach Kevin Johnson, staff down at the University of Louisiana Lafayette. Coach David Kiefer at Southeastern University. Those guys, you know, I, I deal with, and they do wonderful jobs. Coach Tick Price and Coach Bobby Cummer at Tamar University. Just want to give a shout out to all those coaches who I know that are doing it the right way. And uh, you know, I'm praying for you guys who maybe have got some stuff that you, you got called up in that's out there publicly. Maybe it's not yet. You know, I, I'm praying that this doesn't you know, jeopardize your future. And I just hope that everybody's doing well. Obviously, I'd like to give a shout out to Taylor Academy and all my players. 
you know, and I just hope that they have a great season and stay healthy and just keep doing things the right way, fellas. It'll pay off. Awesome. How about yourself, Nate? Yeah, man, I, uh, I want to shout out Coach Taylor for uh, taking the time. And, uh, you know, he's going to be busy this year, but, you know, he committed to uh, helping us out with the podcast this year in the college basketball season. So, you know, I appreciate that. Uh, shout out to him. Uh, also, shout out to uh, Mitch Trubisky. You know, the new era is, is coming. <laughs> you know, Monday Night Football, I can't wait. You know, hopefully, you know, it, it ends, you know, you know, with a success. And, you know, we finally have a quarterback in Chicago. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, shout out to my Chicago Bulls players, not the front office. I got nothing positive to say about them. <laughs> the players, you know, I hope they have a great season. You know, I'm hoping for the best. I I really hope y'all have played well, but don't play well as a team because we need the first pick. And, um, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, that's what I'm shouting out today. All right. Thank you very much, uh, both of you, for joining uh, me here. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on board, Anthony. So, once again, Taylor made basketball. Um, just a blessing and a pleasure to have your insight, especially with uh, all that's been going down with the uh, NCAA here and the scandal. But hopefully things look up for the, that end of the spectrum. Um, and it doesn't really impact this season. I'm looking forward. Uh, I, by the way, I am a Duke fan, um, Anthony, so... <laughs> so uh, I appreciate the love. It was, it was my pleasure to, to be here, and I look forward to it. I'm so grateful that you guys uh, reached out to me to be able to get this done. Um, I, Duke, I mean, hey, you're a Duke fan, and this is the right year to <laughs> to be a fan for sure. This is the right year for sure to be a fan. Oh, yeah. Thank you, guys. That's so much. And uh, until next time, guys, views from the baseline. We are out. <laughs>